Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. So this morning we continue our sermon series as we follow the Israelites through the wilderness. The first week we watched as this rather large community numbered themselves. I remember how they, they counted themselves and they stood up together, naming that if they were going to go on a wilderness journey like this, they were going to do it together. And so they organized, they set up a camp. All the tribes and families on the outside and in the center was the tabernacle the physical representation of God's presence among them. Last week, Todd introduced us into the, the monotonous way that this camp traveled. When the presence of God moved from the center of the camp, everyone packed up and moved with it, like a GPS, right? Just constantly recalculating. The Israelite camp found themselves in a rhythm of setup, takedown, move, and repeat. Setup, takedown, move, and repeat. So now that the Israelite community is well-practiced in this setup, takedown, move, and repeat, God takes them on their very first road trip. They leave Mount Sinai for the first time, and they go to Paran. Now, as you can imagine, especially those that have been setting up outdoor services, the setup, takedown, move, and repeat is not particularly fun work. And so the next few chapters are filled with lovely stories of the Israelite community sharing the load and counting their blessings as they wander through the desert. You buy that? No. No. The following chapters are filled with stories of complaining. Of course they are. And not because the Israelite community are a bunch of whiny, soft, entitled folk, but because set up, take down, move, and repeat is not fun. So here's the thing. We could certainly have a stop complaining sermon this morning. In fact, it's such a huge theme throughout the book of Numbers. We could justify doing it next week, the week after, and the week after that. But that's not interesting, right? That's not, that's not fun. So instead, I'm going to save you from four sermons about complaining and instead give that sermon in just four sentences. And then we'll move on from it for good. Okay? Ready? When you're living in community, especially during seasons in the wilderness, there are times when you will not get your way and things will feel unfair. In such moments, you have two options. You can accept it, knowing that others in the community might experience it differently, or you can complain about it while seeking out others who share in your complaint so as to justify the complaining. Acceptance and surrender leads to inner peace and healthy community, whereas complaining is toxic and leads to isolation and resentment. So, people of God, from the book of Numbers, so that we don't have to do it again, do yourself, your family, and the whole community a favor by not complaining. Amen? There you have it, one of the major themes from the book of Numbers, all of four, albeit long sentences, and I think that's all we need because y'all know it's true, 
and you don't need a young punk like me telling you all that four weeks in a row. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so let's skim over those chapters and move on to something more interesting. Following the people's many complaints, God decides it might be a good idea to give the people a sneak peek at the promised land. Like sitting at the dinner table trying to convince your children to finish their food, you pull out dessert so they know what they're working towards, right? So in Numbers chapter 13, we begin reading. The Lord spoke to Moses. Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man from each ancestral tribe, each a chief among them. So Moses sent them out from the Paran Desert according to the Lord's command. All the men were leaders among the Israelites. When Moses sent them out to explore the land of Canaan, he said, Go up there into the arid southern plain and into the mountains. You must inspect the land. What is it like? Are the people who live in it strong or weak, few or many? Is the land in which they live good or bad? Are the towns in which they live camps or fortresses? Is the land rich or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous and bring back the land's fruit, as it was the season of the first ripe grapes. Now let's stop for a second. Because I find Moses remarkably human and a little funny here. He doesn't just want a sneak peek. He wants, he wants confirmation that the promised land is, in fact, as amazing as God promised, which I totally get. Right? How often have we found ourselves thinking about the future right? or working towards a goal and wish we could just see the end product, right? wish we could just know how things would play out, how steps one through ten were going to fall into place? Boy, that would have made this past year a whole lot easier. And I don't think Moses is, is questioning the promise. He just wants to know how good it's going to be. It sounds like he just wants to know what kind of grapes he'll be getting himself into. So the 12 leaders set out, and we pick up reading in verse 21. They went up to explore the land from the Zin Desert to Rehob near Lebohamath. Then they entered the Cluster Ravine, cut down from there a bunt, a branch with one cluster of grapes and carried it on a pole between them. They also took pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Cluster Ravine because of the cluster of grapes that the Israelites cut down from there. And let's pause again because our author seems to have a thing for grapes. So 12 of our, Israel, 12 of our Israelites' finest leaders go on this covert reconnaissance mission into the promised land. They're scouting out towns, scouting out people, and apparently they're scouting out the grapes. And boy, did they find themselves some grapes. Now, I need two volunteers, and I didn't think anyone would volunteer, so I pre-asked Charlie and Grace to come help me. Can you guys give me a hand? Unless someone wants to volunteer that is as tall as Charlie. All right, so um, you see, our story said that they cut down a single cluster of grapes and carried it on a pole between two people. So can you guys come on over here and help me? Let's set this up as if you guys are marching. You can turn around, Grace, and face everyone. 
And you guys are marching, carrying grapes. Let's do this. It's going to be fun. All right, what do you guys think? I'll see you from this side. Honestly, you guys look kind of silly. It's <laughs> a completely unnecessary way to carry grapes, unless they found gigantic grapes. Let's check this out. Because it begs the question, how big would the grapes have to be for this to not look silly? Oh. You guys ready? All right. Now, them some big grapes. Children, if you're wondering, yes, those are water balloons. And if somehow, after the service, you're able to untie them, you can throw them at the grown-ups. I'm just kidding. Or am I? I'll let your parents decide. So 12 of Israel's best and brightest went undercover into the promised land and found, among other things, some of the biggest grapes that the world has ever seen. They are so big, they don't think people will believe them unless they tether them to a pole and carry them all the way back to their wilderness camp. Grace, Charlie, I know it's 30 pounds of grapes. You guys still good for a bit? Awesome. Great. Cool. So they get home. They get home with their gigantic cluster of grapes, and they give their report of the land. Let's listen into the second half of Numbers 13. You guys sure you're good? All right, great. They returned from exploring the land after 40 days. They went directly to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the Paran Desert at Kadesh. They brought back a report to them and to the entire community and showed them the land's fruit. Then they gave their report. We entered the land to which you sent us. It's actually full of milk and honey, and this is its fruit. You can see everybody's interest perks up, and so does their appetite. They've been eating desert food for over a year, and then they catch a glimpse of them big grapes. The report continues. There are, however, powerful people in the land. The cities have huge fortifications. We even saw the descendants of the Anakites there. Now Caleb calmed the people before Moses and said, We must go up and take possession of it because we are more than able to do it. But the men who went up with them said, We, we cannot go up against the people because they are stronger than we. And they started a rumor about the land that they had explored, telling the Israelites, the land we crossed over to explore, well, that land devours its residents. All the people we saw there are huge men. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers, and that is how we appeared to them. This ends our reading for today. Okay, guys, I've only got like 25 more minutes. You good still? Totally joking. Totally joking to all of you. You can put them down. Can we applaud our strong young volunteers?
the Israelite community are offered a glimpse of the promised land. It's bigger and better than they ever imagined. And yet they didn't think they were big enough to claim it. Good enough to receive it. Promised enough to deserve it. And if you're willing to take, take the move with me and read between the lines, I wonder, have you ever gotten a glimpse of your promised land? Have you ever caught a glimpse of the good life? A glimpse of your dream job, a glimpse of what a healthy family or relationship you've always wanted, a, a glimpse of what your personal health could be, maybe a glimpse of what meaningful uh, uh, volunteer or, or worship experience could be. Right? You got a glimpse of how your future could unfold, and it looked amazing. It felt amazing. It was as if like, life was handling, <laughs> life was hanging a big old cluster of metaphorical grapes in front of you, just begging you to reach out and take hold of it. However, there was a risk involved. Advanced player mode, anything as exciting and amazing as those grapes are going to have a risk attached to it. Y'all know it's true, right? I think we've all found ourselves Right, working towards something, praying about something, just trying to stay afloat during something. And then you get a glimpse of the life on the other side and we don't exactly know what to do with it. Or even worse, we convince ourselves that, that we're not enough, right? Strong enough or deserving enough to take hold of it. Insecurity, self-sabotage, we get so scared that things might not turn out, so scared that we might get stepped on as grasshoppers in a world of giants that we just scurry back to the wilderness, right? Trying to convince ourselves and anyone who will listen that we don't really like big grapes anyways. Try this one on for size. Maybe we catch a glimpse of our future a glimpse of the good life that we're absolutely sure is right for us. And then our partner, our family, our colleagues, or friends think we're crazy or don't want to take the same risk that we do. Right? What happens when our promised land is someone else's scary land? What happens when a family or community perceives the land of promise differently? As an example... I want to have 11 children, and Julia wants less than 11 children. What in God's name should we do? The passage doesn't, doesn't really give many clues what we should do. I know it would be great if they could just fix our problems and, and, and put all of our conflicts to bed. But what we do learn is that life's biggest and best promises have inherent risks associated with them. That living into our biggest and best self is often not simple or easy. We learn that sometimes even promises as appealing as those gigantic grapes are not enough to convince us to step outside of the known and the safe even if the known and the safe is living in a miserable desert. And finally, we learn that the best way to sabotage the good life, the promised life, the abundant life, is to avoid risk and to surround ourselves with people who are equally risk avoidant. 
Friends, there is a reason the Israelites' two-week road trip to the Promised Land takes them 40 years. My prayer is that your journey might not take as long, that you might begin to enjoy risk, anticipate adventure, and, and embrace everything associated with unleashing your bigness and living into your promise. I know it's hot, and I'm wrapping this thing up. Promise. But this last part's important as well. And so if you've been so lucky to have experienced the promised land, to have already enjoyed its fruits, I pray and I challenge you that you would look around, that you would seek out those who are still struggling with the risk, or even worse, those who have been systematically or culturally kept outside the promised land. Seek them out. And when you find someone, do everything in your power to clear the path that is often covered in fertilizer so that they might continue their own promised land journey without all of the smelly obstructions. I'm going to drop all of the metaphors and innuendos and be more direct for a second. There are so many people, and today we specifically think of our LGBTQ siblings, who have been told by society and most often the church of all places that the land of promise isn't for them. Some people, some churches might pat themselves on the back for giving them a sneak peek, maybe even a taste, but when push comes to shove, aren't able to fully or wholly welcome everyone. Friends, if I'm honest with you, if the, if the land of promise is not big enough for everyone, I, I don't want anything to do with it. God's promised, God promised Abraham that God would bless a people as numerous as the sand on the shores, as numerous as the stars in the sky. Todd referenced a hundred mil, how many beetles? 1.5 million beetles. Well, here's the there, there is a hundred billion stars in just our galaxy, and we're told that there are 200 billion observable galaxies in our universe. If that's not a remarkable image of everyone, 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 I don't know what is. And so, family of God, in this life there is an infinite depth of joy available, a never-ender source of love available, a peace that passes all understanding available. There are some gigantic grapes in life available for all who are ready to take hold of them. Find some big grapes. Live into your biggest self. And by golly, make some room because the promised land is for everyone. Amen.